Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Welcome to another episode of the Michelle Tafoya Podcast, coming to you today from my childhood home in Southern California. I'll explain that in a minute. In the meantime, what is a myth and are myths inspiring sometimes? And why would people want to go against an uplifting story that could inspire people? Uh, We're going to get into it next. Now, it's time for some sanity. It's the Michelle Tafoya Podcast. So welcome. A slightly different environment today. I'm at my childhood home because my mom is ailing, so I wanted to come out here to be with her. But I wanted to take a little time today, as usual, to chat with you. And I think this conversation today is super important because I think there is a faction of people who don't want you to be inspired. They don't want you to feel hopeful. They don't want you to aspire to stuff. They want to tell you it's all a myth. American dreams a hoax. No one achieves it. It's it's and any time that someone does, it's a lie. And we're going to tell you why. And I'm going to get into that in just a minute. Here's something that's not a lie. It's called Provia. This is for your hair because there are millions of American men and women who have thinning hair. Their hair is falling out, maybe even prematurely, or they you know they go it runs in the family. My my mom had thinning hair. Well, if you're one of those people. Provia is for you. This is a real solution that delivers on its promise without harsh side effects, without the awful smell, without unwanted chemicals. This is uh, from our friends that developed Genucel Skincare, of which you know I'm a huge fan. Provia uses a safe, natural ingredient, Procapil, to effectively target the three main causes of premature, premature hair thinning and loss. By supporting healthy scalp circulation, the delivery of nourishing nutrients, and healthy hair follicle anchoring to your scalp, Provia guarantees more hair on your head than in the shower or on your comb. Effective for men and women of any age and safe on colored, treated, and styled hair, it's that easy. And right now, new customers save over 50% off Provia's introductory package at proviahair.com slash Michelle, P-R-O-V-I-A, hair.com slash Michelle. Every package includes a full 60-day supply of Provia Serum for daily use, plus Provia 30 Super Concentrate for faster, more noticeable results. Provia works guaranteed or 100% of your money back. See results for yourself right now. Don't wait. Proviahair.com slash Michelle. P-R-O-V-I-A hair.com slash Michelle with one L. ProviaHair.com slash M-I-C-H-E-L-E. All right, there's this guy named Sam Harris. And I want to tell you a little bit about him because I have his bio here from SamHarris.org. I've seen him lately, you know, on platforms, Twitter. I think I saw him on Bill Maher's show recently. And here's how he's, he describes himself this way, Sam Harris. And it's important that you learn this before I play this Insane soundbite for you, okay? Sam Harris is the author of five New York Times bestsellers. His book include 
His books include The End of Faith. That should tell you something right there. Letter to a Christian Nation. The Moral Landscape. Free Will. Lying. Waking Up. And Islam and the Future of Tolerance. And he wrote that with Majid Nawaz. The End of Faith won the 2005 Penn Award for Nonfiction. His writing and public lectures cover a wide range of topics, neuroscience, moral philosophy, religion, meditation practice, human violence, rationality, but generally focus on how a growing understanding of ourselves and the world is changing our sense of how we should live. How we should live. As though there's a way that you should live that he knows that you don't know. Or that you thought you knew, but Sam Harris doesn't agree with you. Sam's work has been published in more than 20 languages and has been discussed in the New York Times, Time, Scientific American, Nature, Rolling Stone, and many other publications. He has written for the New York Times, the Los Angeles Times, The Economist, The Times of London, The Boston Globe, The Atlantic, Nature, Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences, The Annals of Neurology, among others. So he's well published. Okay. He's also the host of Making Sense Podcast, which was selected by Apple as one of the iTunes best and has won a Webby Award for Best Podcast in the Science and Education category. Received a degree in philosophy from Stanford, a PhD in neuroscience from UCLA. He's also practiced meditation for more than 30 years and has studied with many Tibetan, Indian, Burmese and Western meditation teachers, both in the United States and abroad. Sam has created the Waking Up app. For anyone who wants to learn to meditate in a modern scientific context. This is Sam Harris. Okay. He's entitled to do all of those things. And he's clearly well published. You know, it's a certain kind of um, bent to his publications, which is certainly fine. If you want to be open-minded, go read Sam Harris's work. Go look at his Webby Award-winning podcast. But understand that most of the media is left-leaning, and that would include, I contend, Apple Podcasts. So just understand that going in, but go ahead and listen to him. Because as my producer, John Berg, is about to help us understand, this is the kind of thing that Sam Harris likes to... Do I dare I use the word preach? He's uh, he doesn't believe in you. He very much believes in himself, but he doesn't believe in you or other people who have found success on their own. Let's play John Berg the Sam Harris podcast clip about the self-made man. The myth of the self-made man is such colossal bullshit. And it does so much work. It does so much pseudo-ethical work for people right of center. It's a total fiction. No one made themselves. No one picked their parents. No one can account for how they were lucky enough to be born where they were and who they were so that they succeeded, right? And and, and whatever story they have about being self-made, they're not responsible for their intelligence. The fact that you weren't born with brain damage is pure luck. And somebody is being born with brain damage right now in a hospital near you. So what do we do for that person? Right. So it's just it's a total failure, not of just compassion, of just you know basic awareness of, of terrestrial facts to, to feel that something important is anchored to this myth of the self-made person. Right. So 
if you're you know happily married and you've got great friends and you're healthy and you're living in a great house in a great city and you've never been the victim of anything especially horrible you're incredibly lucky right i mean there's just you are you won the fucking lottery and so what you should feel the only appropriate emotions to feel after you you take stock of your situation are gratitude and compassion the only appropriate emotion that you should feel is gratitude and compassion. I'm wondering if he has read Up From Slavery by Booker T. Washington or looked at anything from Douglas, Frederick Douglass. Has he considered any of that? Because I don't think those guys were born into great houses with loving parents, maybe loving parents. Booker's parents were loving. But yes, there are some people who are born into less fortune than others. Just ask Sean Puffy Combs, ask him and look at him now. So he doesn't want you to believe this quote unquote myth. He thinks it, it works. It does this unbelievable work for the right. I'm, I'm not really sure what he means by that, but I'm guessing that he's saying that people on the right use this idea of hard work and getting somewhere that you want to be and making yourself. I'm going to show you a picture here that I just happened to realize was behind me. This is, I just realized this. Okay, so that's my dad and his parents. This is my dad's graduation from the University of California at Berkeley way back in 1958. He was raised in a dirt poor town in dirt poor section of New Mexico one of 11 children, two of whom died before they were 12. So nine remained. He was the only one that went to college. And I would call him a self-made man because he made the efforts. He got the opportunity to go to college and he took advantage of it and he went and he did something with it and he made something of himself. So what Sam Harris doesn't tell you is about all the people who are born into wealth who are born into great circumstances with no brain damage and who throw it all away and end up becoming drug addicts. Is that self-made? I mean, don't we all make decisions every single day which explain why we get to where we get? He's suggesting that because there are people being born with brain damage, you can't consider yourself a self-made person because that person can't consider themselves. They don't have the ability to become a self-made person. Sam, I've met people with special needs who were not born as healthy as me who have made a lot more difference in the world than you will ever make because they kept trying. So this notion that there's no, that this myth of the self-made man, uh, because it does work for the right, is actually doing damage. You should not listen. You should not participate. You should not believe in an American dream. It's like telling someone, you know what, you shouldn't have faith in your religion either. You shouldn't because, and, and, and notice that he's written an, an anti-Christian book, but a pro-Islam uh, book, so he's he's catering, right? He's catering to and a, to and for other people, and 
not people that he just doesn't agree with. I, I bring this up because this guy's got a podcast. He's appeared on Bill Maher. He's appeared on Megyn Kelly's podcast. And I, when I heard this one minute, 30 second piece of garbage, I just wanted to take it on. So, yeah, not everyone's born into the same zip code, Sam. But the number of people that are self-made in spite of that should not be called lucky or fortunate because they weren't born with brain damage. You are making this so simple, it's disgusting. John Berg, you're kind of a self-made man. I know you want to chime in. <laughs> I, I got a really funny story about that, actually. Uh, well, Sam, this is a this is a red herring argument. Uh, you know, I, I I've never heard anybody imply that people are entirely self-made. Literally, to having somehow conceived them. I mean, that's not part of the argument that people you have can't a, conceive have, yourself, right? You can't conceive you can't, yourself. You can't, you can't control can't where you're born. Into the world. You can't do yeah. it. It's funny. He indirectly makes an argument for American exceptionalism by arguing how lucky we are to be born where we are. Did you notice that? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's yeah. very indirectly an argument for American exceptionalism, but I think he's, I mean, these are red herring arguments. Uh, I don't think anybody, I mean, everybody feels blessed when they meet somebody who is obviously mentally disabled that 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 that's going to taking an extreme example and saying you know here's this person none of your decisions had anything to do with your success the only thing that made your success was that you aren't like this it, aren't again this person. It, well and it removes it removes uh it, it, it essentially makes a mockery of agency we talk about agency yes and and having decision over your or having control over your own decisions in your life and what this does is you know just that doesn't have any weight in anyone's life at all. It's all, it's all that. And I think deeper down, it's, it's a, he's implying that society is really responsible for your success or your failure. I think he would, he would, I don't know. We'd have to ask Sam if he wants to come on. This, this reminds me of the phrase misery loves, loves company. It just sounds like he doesn't like people who adhere to the idea or who look up to this, the, the notion of a self-made man and that he wants to take them down a peg. Well, okay. If that's the case, I mean, some people just resent others. I don't see broadly how that, he he implies that it's 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 uh, a nefarious thing uh, doing all this damage, this myth. And I, I would uh, tell me what damage is it undermining right. the state? Is that literally what right. you think? Because that right. makes him sound like a fascist when, when, well, when anything that undermines the authority of the state is a bad thing. I mean, right. that's coming from a pretty dark place in political theory. Well, so let's, let's, I would love let's to hear some clarification. A, yeah, uh, we would. Um, I, there's a uh, there's a website that John sent me about the self-made man. And one of the men on the list that I mentioned earlier, and by the way, there are self-made women. I can tell you that um, <laughs> even though Dan Levitard tried to make it seem like I was only successful because of the National Football League, I would say there were there was a lot of work that went into, oh my God, untold amounts of work that went into where I wound up in relation to the National Football League. But let's talk about Sean Combs, born in 1969. Quote, he says, I've never been surprised about what happened to me. I put in hard work to get to this point. It's like when you become a lawyer. If you're busting your ass, you're not surprised when you get your degree. I came in to win, you know? This is why I stay up late while other people are sleeping. This is why I don't go out to the Hamptons. This is Sean Puffy Combs. Now, what is Sean Puffy Combs, for those of you that don't know who he is, you know, let me give you a little description of what he's done with his life. 
Puff, Puff Daddy, P. Diddy, whatever you want to call him. The name Sean Combs most deserves is that of a self-made man. Mr. Combs claims to work harder than anyone else in the entertainment business, and he has the success to show for it. Born in public housing projects in Harlem. Did you hear that, Sam Harris? He was born in the public housing sections of Harlem. Not super lucky. Sean's father was shot to death when Sean was only two. At age 12, Combs, who was too young to officially have his own paper route, found a way around the rule by taking over the routes of several older boys and giving them 50% of his earnings. So he took over a bunch of other paper routes from these older kids who were allowed to have them, did them for them, and said, I'll, I'll split it 50-50. He took half the money just in order to, it was like an investment in himself. Uh, he was soon making over $700 a week as a paper boy. After high school, Mr. Combs interned at Uptown Records while he attended Howard University. He dropped out of Howard and took an executive position with the company. Fired from the label in 1993, it doesn't say why, we can dig into that if you'd like, Combs formed his own company, Bad Boy Records. In addition to producing hit artists like the Notorious B.I.G., P. Diddy started putting out his own successful rap recordings and diversifying his business interests. His enterprises now include the Sean John clothing line, a cologne, the Making the Band television series, and a restaurant in Atlanta. With a net worth estimated to be around $324 million, Combs has taken full ownership of his life and has done it with style. I know a kid I've been mentoring for the last several years. I'm not going to mention his name. He was born into an awful situation in the Milwaukee area of Wisconsin. Awful. Such that he was around the age of eight, put into foster care, adopted by a family of a different color than he was, who raised him the best that they could. He wound his way up to college, was running track, and just kept running into some dead ends. But the kid hasn't given up. And now he's endeavoring to do speaking engagements, work with youth, and I have high hopes for him. Uh, because he believes in himself and he believes in something bigger than himself as well, Sam Harris, he has faith. And I'm not here to preach faith. I'm just saying that, are you now going to tell him that his faith is a myth too? That he shouldn't believe in something bigger, that he shouldn't have faith because that's just a myth and he shouldn't be inspired by it? I'm not going to tell him that. I'm going to tell him to keep going in the direction he wants and pursue it as long as it's legal. Again, I just think this is so short-sighted, but I think that this most sinister part of what Sam Harris is doing is trying to suggest to people that you can't, that because he thinks it's a myth, Therefore, you should stop trying. You should stop trying to be a self-made person, man or woman. You know, and you should just feel damn guilty because you were born healthy. You weren't born with brain damage. Or you should sit back and wait until the entire universe catches up with you, which it never will, before you feel good about moving on with your life. It's, to me, it is sinister. It is 
not what we need right now. It's not what we ever need to have someone tell us that he thinks you can't be a self-made person because not everyone can be a self-made person. Yeah, there are just too many examples, too many examples. Like I said, hey, uh, Sam, I don't know if you've ever read Up From Slavery by Booker T. Washington. There's a self-made man. So um, this was important for me to talk about because I I want to counter this argument. I want very strongly to counter this argument. This man thinks because he studied neuroscience or whatever in philosophy, unlike Sean Puffy Combs, who didn't finish college, which I would say worked in his favor, uh, this guy wants to tell you that he knows better, that he knows what is better for you, that he knows that you should not be inspired, that he doesn't think you should take the hook of inspiration from people who have dug themselves out of lowly beginnings and found themselves at the highest heights. I'm not sure why he wants to do that. I'm not sure what he wants to accomplish. But what I can tell you is it's nothing productive. How is it productive? How is it positivity? How is it good? How is it encouraging? How is it inspiring? How is it uplifting to tell people not, you're not self-made. Sorry, you can't be. It's impossible because you can't birth yourself. I mean, you you didn't choose to come into this world. Therefore, you're, you're not self-made. You didn't choose your zip code. I would also point to him again, and I said it earlier, but this is worth underscoring. There are a lot of people who come into the world with a ton of privilege, and they squander it because they make poor decisions. What are you going to tell me about those people? They could have made other decisions. They had they had a, a, a leg up on the competition and they squandered it. Absolutely just threw it away. So what about those people? Are they self-made now that they're not successful? They made their their situations for themselves. We all do by every choice that we make every single day. We are the sum of our decisions. Some of us find ourselves in more comfortable zip codes, but that doesn't guarantee anything. And some of us find ourselves, like Puffy Combs, in the projects in Harlem whose dad gets shot to death when he's two and ends up becoming a mogul. There are just too many stories of people who have dug themselves out by hard work and making the right decisions. So if you want to factor in every variable in a human being's life to tell them that they're not self-made, like, well, look, you drove yourself to and from school. How'd you do that? Well, I bought myself a car. Yeah, but there were roads. Did you put the roads down? You didn't build that. Is that why you can't call yourself a self-made human? Because somebody else built the roads on which you drive? Uh, Last time I looked, you were probably paying taxes to make sure those roads got put down. And the reason you were paying taxes is because you had an income which you earned. (sighs) This makes me really mad. I got to be honest. This, This makes me really mad. Sam Harris 
makes me mad. Sam, I invite you to come on and debate this with me. John, do you think he'd come on? <laughs> he might. I mean, we would certainly be respectful. I mean, I'm genuinely curious where this comes from, This the idea that this is such a nefarious uh, uh, a myth that's doing all this damage. I just And the other thing that seems sort of implicit in what he's saying is that self-made men are inherently just greedy bastards who don't spread any of their wealth around or do anything, uh, you know, philanthropically. And, and I'm sorry, again, he's asking you to just not believe your lying eyes because we have yeah, yep. umpteen examples of people who spent their whole life acquiring a ton of money and, and accumulating it. And then, and then spent, a, you know, the end of their life divvying it up and giving it away and, and being extremely generous. He brings up, you know, someone who's got a mental handicap and what do we do with that? Per- I mean, what a silly question. I mean, it's also funny that he, that he's into the Eastern religions. Uh, I guess I'm not going to speak for his opinion of Christianity, but uh, you know, if you set aside some of the tropes that that are out there now about Christians being these Bible thumping, you know, intolerant people, I'm sorry, the Christian history is filled with tolerance and compassion. It's preached every day in churches all over the country. Religion has a positive effect in most communities. Yeah. That's obvious yeah. if you look around and actually are open to seeing what is positive. Um, and it is it has been a, a a a vessel of compassion. I'm trying to think of the best way to put it. Uh, it's just a completely false notion that 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 self-made Christian people are not compassionate. That's BS. I our family has friends. They were neighbors when we were young, and they had an aunt who was severely handicapped. Uh, this woman, a she worked for like 30 years at a Devani's, kept her job. Uh, they all loved her there. They threw her a party when she finally retired at like 50 years old. She had some friends because she was involved in some sort of group for people like her who were handicapped. And she had this group of little friends that were all about her age. And one of their dads was a successful guy. And by this point, these women are in their 40s and 50s. And this guy is getting old. He's in his 60s or 70s. This guy went and bought them a big, huge house out uh, out, wet, out on Highway 7, west of Lake Minnetonka. Uh, for those not in the Twin Cities, it basically out there looks just like Purple Rain when he goes on the uh, the motorcycle ride. Bought him, a beautiful, <laughs> bought him a beautiful house out there overlooking a pond. And these women lived together in a house in this beautiful home that this dad just gifted to all of them. They were his daughter's friends and, and the daughter, his daughter, he just loved her so much. He wanted her to have all her friends in one place and live out the rest of her life there. And that is exactly what they did. I think a few of them are still with us. Thank goodness. Um, but it was nobody, he didn't get any credit publicly for that. It was one guy who just made, made the life of six women that much better and did it. It was completely so I guess it was not completely selfless. It's his daughter, but people don't, he doesn't run out and get credit but for that. But that's still selfless. So it, that's still happens. selfless. He, and, he could have those, put his daughter in a, in a myriad of places. He and he could've. chose instead to give her independence, to give her friendship, to give her support and surroundings. And it's, not just it, to bust her friends over, to put them right there in the house yeah, with them and bless yeah. all of their families. All of those families now yeah. knew that their, their, their loved one was taken care of by somebody who yeah. cared. I can't stress how compassionate, how gracious that is. And, that's the kind of thing that just gets overlooked. It happens routinely. It happens routinely. Yeah. I have one more important thought that absolutely coincides with this. I took okay. human geography about a decade ago when I was still going to school and I had a professor who was definitely of the left and uh, he had done, he had done uh, charity work. All He'd been in the, one of the international charity groups, not a Christian one, but he'd been all over. Tanzania was one place he spent a bunch of time and he talked about how you get a whole different perspective on people of faith when you leave the United States and you see all the things happening all over the world, acts of compassion that are done by people. If you ask them straight up, why are you here doing this? They'll say, well, my faith just drives me to do this. That's why I'm here. 
he got a whole different perspective on that. Not only he drew, he drew, this is the guy who was of the left. He drew contrast. Sam Harris would talk about all the things the state does and, and the community, whatever, whatever word you want to use for it. When people start to internalize that whole societies, like say the French, where, you know, the government is supposed to take care of all sorts of stuff. They're charitable giving plunges. He brought this up. My, my professor, he brought up, he had, he had all the numbers too. charitable giving by the United States uh, across the world. And then charitable giving charitable giving by all these other countries. And if you had just the governments and had what the governments gave, the United States was, you know, 15th or something. It wasn't that high. But then if you took private donations from the United States and took that into account, it absolutely dwarfed every other nation. Nobody had, no one had a chance of catching up to the United States in charity. And it was because of private charity, not because of what the government does. And he made this point. I have to give this professor credit. He made the point when a society at, at at some point just decides, well, the government should handle all this stuff for us. At that point, they stop being as charitable. They stop giving, they stop being caring towards individuals. So the idea they do, the idea that you want to undermine that individuality, again, that's, I, that's, I, the effects of – he's not taking into account all the good things that happen on a daily basis by individuals who have the freedom to do it and, and take that opportunity to do that. He's just denying all of that, just swiping it away and going, you didn't – it's the you didn't build that argument, which I, I am so – I'm so sick of hearing that I could puke, and that's all I got. Michelle. All right. Don't puke. Don't puke. We don't want to see that on this podcast or hear it, frankly. All right. That's why I said that, uh, you know, how'd you get to work today? I drove on a street. Who put that street down? You didn't build that. Therefore, you cannot be considered a self-made man. So what, do I have to walk then to work to consider myself a self-made human? (laughs) It's an argument that really makes me angry because what it tells those who are willing to listen and accept it is that you don't have agency. Is that if you weren't born in the right zip code, if you weren't born into a great family, then you can't be a self-made man because somebody else has brain damage. So feel guilty, feel like crap because you were born with good health and don't try to make anything of your life because you can't call yourself a self-made person. Or just acknowledge, yeah, everyone else did it for me. Or I was lucky. Uh, you know, I had good parents. Again, I don't know what he's trying to accomplish. But nothing positive has come out of this, except that it's stirred up in me, <laughs> which I guess this is positive, even more of a desire to tell anyone who will listen, whether you're a podcast listener or not, that you do have agency, that every decision you can make that is yours is yours to make and yours to succeed or fail by. And they will stack themselves one on top of the other until you get the result that comes from that. Does that guarantee you billions of dollars? Nothing guarantees you anything, but you give yourself a whole hell of a lot of better chance the harder you work. The old saying, the harder I work, the luckier I get, you will find that that applies to to just about any profession, any walk of life, anything you can imagine. The harder I work, the luckier I get. Just the people don't want you to work hard. They want you to sit back. They want you to languish for some reason. They want you to 
let other people do for you. They want to rely on the government for everything. And that's a podcast for a whole nother day for when we let some sort of central planning outfit organize our lives for us so that we have to knock on somebody's door in order to get everything that sustains us. Try to envision that. Try to envision that. So Sam Harris, I don't know you. This is a, an open invitation to come onto this podcast and talk to me. Because it doesn't matter that you and I disagree unless we really debate it out. So I hope you'll come on. Yeah. I hope you'll come on. In the meantime, I'm going to say it. These two things require agency. Be brave and do good. You have the agency to be courageous. You have the agency to do good with every decision that you make in your life. That does not guarantee peace, prosperity, and a long life. But it guarantees you a whole hell of a lot better of a chance of those things. And every human in America, for now, if we don't screw it up, has agency to do just that. So please be brave, do good. We will see you next time.